Hi everyone, and so I'm back. I'm so I'm so excited because um I'm going to be doing a book review today. I think it's my first book book review on um Chloe Classics. I'm going to be doing it with my friend Devra. Hi Devra. Hey. So Devra, um, we both love reading. We both love this book. So I think this is the perfect um opportunity. This book's Americana by Chimanda Ngozi Adichie um or Adichie. Um, Devra, you're Nigerian, right? Yep. Uh, you're Yoruba. So yep. Um. I mean, first of all, what did you think about this book? Like, if someone was to ask you what this book is about, what aspects would you choose to highlight specifically and why? I think I would I would highlight, I think Dickhead's um, story was, like, the one that spoke to me the most, especially being, like, you know, second-generation immigrant. Really? The kind of, like, the balance he had to find between this new western culture but also his heritage his african nigerian heritage mm. and not knowing what you know his place was in that i've definitely experienced that especially because like you know where i grew up is very you know white yeah for sure i definitely understand that i think he's i think i felt um even though myself i'm sierra leonean i still felt a lot of similarity and i think a lot of sympathy and empathy for dickie as well um, so yeah, for those who don't know this book, Americana is a book by Chimanda Ngozi Adichie. Um, she's uh, she's my favorite, one of my favorite authors. I definitely say, um, Purple Hibiscus. She also wrote that. It's such a good book. I really Amazing. recommend. It's so good. It's so good. But um, this book's basically about a Nigerian woman who moves to America, and she's the the titular character. She's the Americana, um, and I, I like her character. You know, she is. I don't know. I find her. I think she's just complex like any human being and it's nice to see a complex character. I'm very like wary of what I'm saying. I don't want to say like a black character because even though she is black, there's actually a lot of um, discourse in the book about what it means to be black versus African. I think there's even a quote where it says, oh, it doesn't matter where you come from. If you're from Guyana, if you're from, you know, wherever, um, as soon as you get into America, you're black, full stop. And I was like, ah, oh, this is so... This is so interesting and so um, complicated. But yeah, um, do you think, Deborah? do you think this there's a specific target audience for this book? Um, and if so, who? Honestly, I think it's more targeted towards uh, young Africans in the diaspora. Mm. Um, more more them than Nigerians, because I, I honestly cannot imagine any Nigerian reading this book and like actually getting it. Because like, oh, really? if you haven't left the country, they still view like America and Britain as like you know the golden land. You know mm. the streets paved with gold and pearls and silver. Like you know they think everyone there is rich, and I think some young people I've spoken to like some young uh, Nigerians about mm. like you know how they view and the Western world, and they're realizing the racism, but they're realizing it through football somehow. About, oh, wow. like, <laughs> yeah, I was talking to someone who was like. Oh yeah, I've seen like black players get like lots of racial abuse. That's how I know these countries yeah. are like, bad. And I'm like, football, what an interesting way to learn about racism. For but, real. For real. But honestly, I think like as it goes on, I think more younger Nigerians might be able to like understand it and like yeah. kind of see where she's coming from. But it's definitely targeted towards the, the younger diaspora. I I would agree with that actually, because I feel like I don't know. Oh, yeah, no, I, I would definitely agree with that. I think it's it's strange how race 
is such a big thing for us here, but actually for people of family and friends or whoever in Africa, in different parts of Africa, well, I don't want to say all of Africa because, of course, South Africa has their really mm. intense racial um, issues. But I know specifically for Sierra Leone, because that's my point of context, my place of context, rather, um, it's more like issues are more about tribalism and stuff like that rather than race like because most people are, are of the same i mean ethnic background mm. um so i think definitely it's a, a bit for the diaspora i i agree, agree with that okay so um right so i talked about i want to talk about um if um by the way is the main character guys um and her romantic relationships so this book is a romance a romance in terms of genre um and for me, it was almost revolutionary. I don't know if you felt this way, Deborah, but for me, it was revo- revolutionary that it was a romance with two African people as the the main love interests. Um, and what did you think about that? Yeah, I agree. I've I don't think unless no, I actually don't think I've ever seen or no. read a book where there's two, except like maybe Love in Color, but that's okay. like a collection of like romance stories. That was actually a really good book. But um, this is like the first time I've seen a book written about two Africans in love. Yeah, same for me. Um, so I think each of so if Emily, by the way, everyone in this book has three significant others at different points in her life, and I always thought that her romantic relationships represented different political and social dynamics going on within America, whether it's American African relations or black american african relations um or white black relations so um i just want to ask you Deborah, what you thought just generally about each of her relationships i think we can start with blaine um <laughs> whose name i don't know why i just found hilarious i don't know um, <laughs> blaine who is uh, i think he's i feel like he's mixed race i think that was a point that she made in the book um that was important for whatever reason um yeah, so I've got here a description of him. An earnest and justice-minded Black American oh, man and a professor of political science. Blaine's strong principles often lead to compl- uh, conflict in his dating relationship with Ephemerly. So he's like an academic. Mm. Um, what did you think of their relationship? Oh, I hated it. I hated every <laughs> word that I was reading of it. Because I think she did that on purpose. I think you're yeah. meant to feel very uncomfortable. Because the way he treats her is like, like she's a dumb African. Yes, yeah. Like as if like and bearing in mind, she's proven to herself to be like really like quite academic, quite um well spoken with her blog. Like she's like real well renowned, like she's awarded, yeah. she's like certified and everything. I mean, sis went to Princeton. For real. <laughs> and then this guy is acting like she she doesn't know anything about what, you know. Like bearing in mind, like I agree that she might know not know a lot but like you know the scene where not the scene like the part where um she goes to the friends going away party instead of the protest and then he's like mad at her and doesn't talk to her for like a week I was like bro it's not that deep yeah oh my gosh that was that's actually a memory um I don't know why I thought Blaine was mixed race like I feel like that's so annoying of me I think it um... was the 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 fact that he came from like a suburban background like he (laughs) was always rich so he's never yeah. really understood that kind of like class struggle as well, which I really didn't like about their relationship because she was, she was coming from like a country. She was coming from like, you know, not poverty, but 
you know, different. Compared different... to him, she was quite poor. Mm. She came from a poor family, and he acted like he acted like she was way less oppressed than he was. Like as if they were yeah. facing the same thing, and it's like no, yeah, like, that's know, so there's true. different parts to it. Me personally, I yeah, think blame. Oh yeah, I did not. Like I don't know why I'm he so liked his sister so much as well. That was weird. That was not just me, right? That was weird. Like him and his sister, I thought they were really weird. Their dynamic was very strange. I didn't like his sister either. Um, <laughs> but it was it was so weird. It was like I don't know. Um, but with Blaine, I see him as like if I had to just describe him in one word, I say he's a champagne liberal, which is like a term I learned back in day in um when I was studying politics at A level, and it's just someone that's grown up as you said he's grown up in a wealthy back with a wealthy background um but he still thinks that he's i don't know the the spearhead of every movement to do with black people that yeah. ever existed and i think someone like that can be very um what's the word like suppressive well yeah oppressive in a relationship and make you feel like you're less black than you are and i think he definitely did that to a femme um oh yeah and do you remember his um his ex-girlfriend paula as well in the book wasn't she like a lesbian afterwards or something I, like that? Maybe. Like, what that? I think so. Um, but she was a white um, liberal and she was basically Blaine's counterpart, like the female version of Blaine. And she also made the femme feel almost like she knew less about being black um, than, than the, the girls called Paula, than Paula did when Paula was white. And that really, really annoyed me because I, I know people do that sometimes. Like, I don't know, the mm. point of like, well, I mean, what did you think about her? You know what? I think like she reminded me. You know the scene. You know when um um Abinze goes to um Britain and he meets us up with his friend who's got like a white sugar mama or like <laughs> I don't know what that relationship was, but then <laughs> they go to like their friend's house and they're all the friends are talking about third world countries and they're talking about this in a very I'm white and superior and I know exactly how to fix all these countries kind of way. Ugh. Paula reminded me of those. Like when I read that, I was like, those that's her people. Yes. For real, for real. I completely agree with that. I remember that dinner party. It was so uncomfortable, so strange, and also hilarious. Abinze's friend is just, he's hes changed. Um, I mean, he's getting his bread. Yeah, so. I Don't hate the player, right? Hate the game, right? Um, Kurt, okay, Kurt and Ifem. So Kurt, for those that you don't know, was Ifem's first, and I'm just assuming, only white boyfriend. He was also rich. I feel like he grew up in the suburbs as well. Um, <clears throat> she meets him basically she's struggling to get a job in america she's just come um from nigeria and she meets this woman her name's kimberly through her friend and kimberly's like a proper um stepford wife basically and her cousin or something or her brother is kurt and kurt and if they meet at the house and basically spark a romantic relationship um what did you think of kurt and ifm's relationship deborah i think kurt was the same as blaine really except for kurt it was like it was a fetish it was a fetish mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it reminds me of like you know how you said um blaine is a um, champagne liberal mm. that's what kurt kind of was yeah. like you know them people that think that oh i'm not racist i dated a black woman i dated the chinese woman yeah. i dated all these different women of different races but underlying that is just a fetish for you know what you think is exotic and wild and wow yeah i realized that when i saw his like when we were introduced to his mom he's like very racist oh. and I just felt like he was just dating FM on all these other coloured girls because he wanted to get back at his mum or like rebel or something yes yeah you know what 
I completely, I 100% agree with that. I remember when I was reading it, I was immediately, I mean, this is, maybe it's bad, it says something about me, but I was immediately a little bit sceptical about him um, because of the way mm. they met, because she met him when she was in a position of servitude. She was literally yeah. his cousin's employee, you know, and she wasn't even like, it wasn't just like she was his cousin's like PA, she was the nanny, which historically for a black person to be the nanny, like, that is any actually any race that's not white to be the nanny historically is extremely like political and the ideas of the mammy character that you see in films and whatever so i was already like hmm, this relationship's a bit mad and then i think he also got her a job as well yeah and there's i mean the only thing that i saw him do once was when he took her to the white hair salon i don't know if it was white hair salon or the black hair salon i don't know he took her to some sort of hair salon they wouldn't do her hair or something it was like a spa thing and then they wouldn't touch black her yeah. skin or something like that. That was it. It was a spa and they wouldn't touch her skin. And he came in and he's like... The only part I liked him... You just remind me. The only part I liked him was when she was upset about her hair. Mm. And he really reassured her that he thought her hair was beautiful. I think that's the only time when I was like, hmm, okay. Quite nice. But he also did disregard and failed to understand the reason why it was hard for her to... Um, do her hair in that you know western society because it's hard to get a job with your natural hair out like in nigeria you can do like your sister locks you can do you know banshee knots you can do all of that but not 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 in america not in britain <laughs> no um i completely agree with that as well and i feel like um i think he did look there were times when as you said that time for sure with the hair i can't remember there's one of the two other times that where he was very supportive of her and race didn't seem to be a massive issue in their relationship but there were also times when he was very denying, as you said, of certain issues. Like, there was a thing with the magazine. Um, she was looking at a black magazine versus a white one. She was trying, well, exactly, a black magazine versus a normal one, in fact, where there was barely any black faces in that magazine and trying to show him about representation. But he almost brushed her aside like she didn't get it until, until much later mm. on. But yeah, their issue was a complicated one. But I think it definitely, <sighs> I think it definitely highlighted the problematic side of interracial relationships especially in america or what could occur in those kind of relationships i thought it was very interesting um yeah, yeah. um okay right so then finally probably my favorite relationship i'm sure it's yours as well is it your favorite relationship yeah. with Zay and if um Zay, like oh, i just loved him um when they described him they described him as a bit shorter i, I was shocked for whatever reason because in my mind like I don't know, I had a different image of him in my mind, but he was always that cool cat kind of figure, um, very thoughtful. I think they called him, what do they call him? The Zed, the O? The Zed. The Zed. The Zed. The Zed. Um, he becomes like a very successful and prosperous man in Nigeria, but he also had like an almost um, a glorification of America. He like he read American literature and thought American products were better. And if you look at the... Um, the kinds of things that the items that were in his home um when they described him when he was described it started novels like coca-cola and those big american brands and stuff like that <clears throat> sorry so what did you think deborah about their relationship if them and abinze's relationship i think it was the truest relationship that she mm-hmm. had out of like all of them mainly because he's he's the only one who has seen her in her natural element which is in nigeria mm-hmm. like living her best life that's where she feels most at home where she feels most comfortable he's the only one out of them who has seen her like that and also they have like this shared history shared mm-hmm. past shared experiences especially like during during this 
civil war or the aftermath of the civil war um around those times um like they've gone through all that together yeah and it's something that blaine and kirk just could not understand like blaine as much as he is an academic is a you know is also black just can't understand what it's like to be from a third world country yeah do you think do you think that that was the main reason why their relationship worked at Binze and Ifem, the fact that they had a shared background or do you think that it was to do with his personality as well I think that you know what that actually brings up a really good point that I just yeah, I just realized um their their relationship is the only one that's based on the shared interest like just their personalities because with Blaine and Kurt there's always something there's class there's race there's you know xenophobia there's always something influencing or changing the, the dynamics of that relationship compared to Obinze and FM which is just going to school together having sex you know doing things that couples do yeah oh you know that, I don't know I'm really dramatic but that makes me want to cry because I just feel like that's so true like and I think Aditya is so clever because the way that she writes their characters are so vivid and I just feel like they're mm. I know they're fake but to this day I just feel like they're real people and um, and she's very clever as well because just in general, but especially with this um, aspect of the romantic relationships, when she's mentioning Blaine and Kurt, like it may seem, by the way, for everyone that's listening, that we're talking about race a lot, but it's because they are mentioned in terms of their race and that's what characterises them. And in terms of their background, again, like whether they grew up rich or poor, that's what characterises them. But Abinze and Fem, like, I can't, I can't remember it now because it's been a while since I've read it, but there are little quirks about their personality Um that's written to their characters that make them feel so real. So I just, com- thanks for saying that, Deborah. I just completely agree with that. Um, okay, so, right, this book is, I've said this already, but just going to reiterate, is about a Nigerian, a Nigerian in America. But at the same time, there are parts um, of this book that expose the African immigrant experience in Britain when Abinze goes to Britain because he can't get an American visa. So, Deborah, I wanted to ask you, what did you think, I don't know if I phrased this right, but what did you think about the ideas of identity false identity um like doubling um when it comes to abinze because he had to take someone else's visa and pretend to use that name i can't remember the name of the man that he had to use um I think it was victor victor yeah I, I mean what did you think about that entire thing about identity and and immigration in britain specifically it is not easy to be an immigrant in this <laughs> no. country man no. like bear in mind i've been here since I was maybe two. Mm-hmm. Um, I came from Ireland. Mm-hmm. My mum only got her right to stay last year. My gosh. And I'm turning 19 tomorrow. So she has, like, she is work- She was out of work for 10 years. Wow. Just in this country, like, not doing anything because she couldn't get a visa. Oh my- like, it's so hard. That's, that's why there's, like, no baby pictures. There's no pictures of me, like, in primary school. Because mm-hmm. we couldn't afford a camera. Mm-hmm. We just couldn't afford anything. And then so... I feel like Abunze, when I read that part, like it, it was so, like I heard it so loudly I, because it's literally that. And especially when he visits his cousin, you know how like in, they talk about how in Nigeria they were free spirits. They were doing whatever they wanted. They were, you know, loud and proud. And they come to this country and they had to drop all that. They had to drop their personalities. They kind of had to drop that, you know, Nigerian spirit, that, you know, Sorosoke spirit. Yeah, and they had to basically become westernized in order yeah. for their children. Um, you know what? 
uh, that's just like that story's really touched me. Um, but at the same, well, not even that story because that has that account, that reality. Um, and it just reminds me of my own mum as well because after I read this book, I went to her and I just said thank you. <laughs> I just like thank you because it's not easy coming to a country that isn't your own and making mm. it, you know, and working hard and rearing children all at the same time and studying because for whatever reason, you know, certain qualifications that you get in your own country doesn't seem valid in a western country as if you know standards of education i don't know or intelligence rather differ around the world um and yeah i just it's just i think definitely with Abinze, because we saw his personality he was this like, he was actually very reserved i thought at the start of the book but he had this quiet confidence and then to see his fear like the fear when he was working at that i think it was a factory or whatever with his boss and they called him into his uh, the boss called him into uh, his office and Abinze's heart started to like, like be really fast because he was like, "Oh my gosh, they're gonna mm. they're gonna figure out I'm a fraud," but they were just gonna wish him a happy birthday. And I I think I actually did burst into tears when I read that because I was so nervous like, "Oh my gosh, they're gonna find him out." But oh, uh, uh, it was just anyway, it was a whole thing. But I think Aditya really writes really I don't know just touching me in that section as well. Okay, so I think I mentioned this bit. Um, no, I think we talked about this next bit about romantic relationships. I think we talked about that um hmm okay i'm going to go to this question um this story also explores what it's like to be a second generation immigrant which we have touched upon a little bit um so oh yeah firstly what do you think about the term second generation immigrant what does that make you think what does that make you feel like it feels like well i don't know how i feel about it because it kind of ties me mostly to my my um, immigrant past like not my past but like you know my parents mm-hmm. where they came from and because I don't really have a connection to Nigeria because I've only been there once and I don't really have a connection to this country because they don't want me here and I just feel like as a second like second generation immigrant it's like the term kind of creates it's like kind of limbo like I don't know where I belong really am I British am I Nigerian I think I feel like I'm both but I feel like they're not I don't feel them as strongly as like you know my parents might or someone else in this like a white person in this country might yeah you saying that just makes me feel okay I, I now everyone's gonna know how weird I am I again feel emotional because I'm like wow that that's that's like me as well and it is the idea of being in limbo or, or being in a liminal kind of space where mm. you're both and you're like when I hear the term second generation immigrant like a part of me feels happy that I have that because sometimes this country is so ex- it almost feels like excluding um, that it's nice to know that I have another place where I belong but then I have some of my Sierra, Le- Sierra Leonean cousins and I can tell they don't think I'm as <laughs> Sierra Leonean as them which they've got a point because they were both born there and they grew up there and I think it's a strange thing feeling like you're both um, you both belong and don't belong in a place um, and I yeah I just wanted to ask that because of the character of um, of Dike. Um he's the son of this fabulous character one of my favorites i think she's one of the most complex characters in the book auntie uju um and the general who's his dad um who's also quite an interesting character but he struggles to find his identity um especially because he grew up i think he grew up in a very in a poor part of america um when that's the only place auntie uju could afford to live i think and then he moves to a bit of a a better area safer area but anyway the kids there see him as black american but his mother repeatedly says that he's not black american what did you think about Mm. that about the way auntie you treated him and his nationality i think one thing 
I feel like Nigerians, well, maybe Africans in general, don't see the difference between they don't understand how what like race in the Western world because the kind of racism and oppression that they experience within Africa is very different to the kind the African American yes. and Black Brits and you know have are have have experienced. Like it's very, very different. And I feel like and I also feel like a lot of uh, well maybe Nigerians in particular, but they see um African Americans and like just black people who don't live in Africa as Westerners, like oh, yeah, for sure. basically the same as white people. Like my grandma has a name for me. She calls me Oyunbo Pepe. Oh my god. Which means you're a I black white that. person. I heard that term. Um, I literally heard that term yesterday when I was watching a film. Okay, I, I sorry to interrupt you, I have to say this right. I was watching a film yesterday, it was a Nollywood film, and there's a white character in it. And the white characters called they call it Oyunbo Pepe and they translated it in the subtitles as vanilla essence. No, no. <laughs> because I didn't think they wanted to be rude, so they translated it as vanilla essence. I just, I saw it. I was like, I know that's wrong. I just know that's wrong. <laughs> Sorry, Diva. If you say it to a black person, it's like, oh, you're white. You're a black person, but you're acting like one of them white people. Yeah, like say it to a white person, you're oh, you're white, but we're, we're you know accepting you as a black person. But a black person is an insult. A white person, you might you might take it as a compliment. Yeah, yeah. For sure, but um, I I completely agree. I think especially with Dickay, like I can he went into, he got into a very depressed state, and I can understand that as well because, I mean, it is it is um you were right when you said that like a lot of Africans, especially in the generations above us, um, see race in a different way like than we do. Um, yeah, it's very interesting. There's a lot of prejudices I think that come with that as well. Okay, so. I, I'm going to, yeah, let's talk about this quickly. I was about Auntie Uju and her character. Um, yeah, I think I think she's one of the best characters in the book. But let me just give you guys some context. I'm on Spark Notes, LOL, but I'm going to just read what they said about her. Um, Auntie Uju is Ifemelu's uh, aunt. She's a doctor who immigrates to America with her son, Dike. Um, as a young woman in Nigeria, she offers practical advice to Ifemelu about growing up, but the pressures of rebuilding her life in America and dampen her spirit. Her willingness to allow uh, to allow others to control her destiny means that a family, though younger, often is the one to emotionally support Auntie Uji. So yeah, I think in my own words, I saw it as a proper powerhouse. Um, I think she was, I think she recognised, you know, the place she was put in society because I think she was the mistress of the general before she became his wife. Um, oh, or did she become his wife? I'm not sure. But she was. I don't think she did become his wife. I think she was like the mistress for like the whole time. It was... died, I don't know. Like there was a thing about I think he was meant to come home for Valentine's Day or a date or something. I might be rem- remembering it incorrectly. And she got all ready and everything, took something out of the freezer. Like she was ready and then he didn't come. Um, and she went through a lot of stress. And as soon as she gets to America, I could physically feel my shoulders like sag when reading her character because she just she just lost all hope. And what do you think about her? Honestly, I feel like she is the embodiment of what of what a man, how a man can ruin a woman. Because bear in mind, she was training to be a doctor. She was this was an independent woman for the longest time. She taught um, FM how to be a woman before yeah. anyone else did. And as soon as the general came into her life and she learned this kind of male dependency, she started relying on a man. She kind of lost that kind of independence. Mm-hmm. She kind of lost her own personality, her own freedom. And she was tied to this man. And then after she was tied to the man, she was tied to the baby. After she was tied to the baby, she was kind of tied to 
caring for this baby and in caring for this baby she felt like she had she needed a man and then you know you get to you see where she goes to America and she's hopping from like oh bro Dika has uncles man uncles <laughs> many uncles many 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 uncles that's what I was gonna say she hopped from man to man but I just feel like that's a bit rude to say but she had uncles basically yeah she did and I feel like she would have done better by herself Yes, than she would with those all those useless men. That's the thing. I agree with that as well. I think she really would have done better, but she, I think she saw herself in a, I think she saw herself as without hope and without a man. Dickie was gonna fail in some way. She was gonna fail because I think she even entertained this specific guy. He was just the grossest like description mm. of a man. I was just like, um, <laughs> but she entertained him and she pandered to him, all because of you're right, her male dependency. Uh, I can't remember what happens at the end. I feel like she's free at the end, but I can't remember. Um, I think uh, I was going to say it's like when Dickhead comes to Nigeria this is like loads unrelated but mm-hmm. like that's the part that made me cry because oh. when he's like happy and he's like see, like you kind of see like a weight lifted off his shoulders yeah and I just feel like he he oh it's just beautiful it's just a beautiful scene <laughs> and it had nothing to do with what you just said but I was just thinking about it <laughs> No, but that's good. That's good. It is a beautiful scene. Um, it does really feel like a homecoming. I think it also challenges notions of home because I think home for some people means frequency, like how you know, or you know, longevity, like how long have you been there? I think home is definitely. I think it's a spiritual thing. In fact, like it's the place where you just feel the most comfort and the most at ease. And I think DK definitely feels at home in Nigeria. So that was a beautiful scene. I agree. Um, right, we're nearly finished. Um, I just love to talk about Americana. Um, but yeah, let's discuss the trope of the wife. I think um, Auntie Yuji at one point she is the wife figure, but I don't want to talk about her because we just did. So specifically, cozy, cozy. I, how do you, how do you say? How do you think? I, I don't know. I don't know if I said that right. Cozy. Oh, uh, this is these right. I think it's like cozy, cozy, Let's say Kossi, right, Kossi. And Kossi is a, a right guy. I forgot to say, Abinze, yeah, he has a wife. Because um, they, they show them, you know, as they're younger than growing older. And his wife is called Kossi. And she, um, she, right, let's see what it says. Her beautiful, his beautiful, bubbly uh, Nigerian wife. Um, she wants, yeah, she wants the perfect life. She wants the perfect husband. They have a really cute baby. Um, and I think she just wants that traditional, um very problematic i think um gender roles in her life that's what she wants and she values um appearance over honesty which i think is a really important thing as well i think and the reason why i want to mention mention this because i I want to mention colorism i think she's light-skinned for a black person i think so i think Mm. they made a a big comment about that um in the book when she was younger she was the prettiest because of this sort of stuff um, so first, let's talk about. I, I want to talk about Kimberly as well. But first, let's talk about Kossi. What do you think about her character? Um, yeah, and her marriage. You know what? I felt bad for her. I honestly pitied her because I can imagine. I can imagine how she ended up like that. She probably had like you know a personality when she was younger, <laughs> and then you know how African aunties think, no, you're not allowed to have a personality unless it's male approved, approved by your husband, husband certified. They probably like you know. Pushed it out of her, beat it out of her. Wow. You've got to do this, learn how to cook the rice, learn how to cook the stew, learn how to make pepper soup. The pepper soup has to be good. Mm. If the pepper soup isn't good, the man will leave you for another person. You have to learn how to hold the man. Wow. I feel like that's everything she did. Like, especially the scene where they had their child, Bumi, 
in um yeah but they have her in america and she says to him oh next time we'll have a son that is oh, oh honestly, that is that so common in nigeria was devastating because they just uh they value having a, a, a boy over a, a girl and there is there are so many men who have left out their, their wives because mm. they won't give me a girl i want a boy i mean basic biology would know that it's you <laughs> it's you <laughs> It's, it's your it's your product that is causing the, the the influx of women. So maybe you should just <laughs> do something about your your testicles yes. or something because it's really you. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, there's just a lack of education in Nigeria about things things like that, and usually women are the ones who suffer for it. So they do everything in their power to make you know themselves desirable to a, a man, which is why she's like she's very happy about her beauty, her light skinnedness. Yes. Um. Which is not something really I can talk about because for a black person I'm relatively lightish, mm-hmm. but it's definitely I know a lot of other people who like bleaching. Like even just look at Bobrisi, bleaching your skin is oh gosh, is <laughs> just the way to be beautiful in Nigeria. The bleach is it, it, it's her- not nice. Like, <laughs> I honestly don't know what bleach is using because what is that? <laughs> but the, when you see um her before pictures and her after pictures, that's when you know that Bob Risky the bleach is it's done its job because hmm, the bleach was strong. Sure. It was really strong because she looks really different. But um, yeah, there's a massive bleaching culture for sure. And Cosi, you're right. I thought I think as soon as I read, as soon as I saw her character, I could immediately see that she had been shoehorned into the, this idea of the ideal wife. To the point where her personality, she is really just the height of passivity. Like, it's it's upsetting to see, but it's also in a way survival, um, because she, I guess, in a way, she could have had it worse, maybe. Um, but yeah, I, I think colorism was touched upon within her with her character, um, but it wasn't fully um, delved into, maybe. But that's I think that's because the book just covers so many different stuff. Okay, so she's definitely um, the archetypal white wife in Nigeria, and I think her mirror or her double is Kimberly, um, who is the archetypal wife in America. So Kimberly is the woman who has compassion on uh, Ifem and hires her to be um, the nanny for her children. She has, I said, she's the embodiment of white guilt. Um, in my opinion, she 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 always says sorry. She apologizes for everything, but she also I don't know. I felt conflicted about her. I didn't. I, okay, let me not go into it first. Let me ask you what you think. Um, what did you think? Yeah, I think that with Kimberly, there was like a really weird balance between guilt and that and recognizing her own privilege. That I feel like she understood that she was privileged because she was white and she was rich. Yeah, and you know compared to FM but with her she took that privilege instead of like turning it into like something that she could help other um minority communities with she turned it into like a victim situation like yes. she just felt guilty about everything she had to say sorry um but you know what the only thing I'm happy about is that she didn't turn it into like some kind of white savior complex because yeah. she didn't treat herself like oh oh, you're so lucky I gave you, a black person, a job here. Yeah. You know, you should be on your knees thanking me because, you know, a lot of other people won't give, me, give you that chance. But she was more like... She, she kind of did it because she... Out of pity, which I would... Yes. She's not good, but I would prefer that instead of a white savior complex. Yeah, I, I agree with that for sure. I think... Um, 
as soon as I saw her give her, uh, as soon as I saw Kimberly rather give Ifem the job, I was worried it was going to be a thing that would backlash uh, on her later, and it didn't do that, which is good. Um, I think I don't know why when I read Kimberly, I liked her sometimes, then sometimes I just she she jarred me, but her sister jarred me even worse because she was a proper racist. Um, you know what it reminded me? You know the the movie The Help. Yes. Yeah. When well, I haven't watched the movie, but I read the book. Mm-hmm. And when the um basically there's like it's like the black maid is looking after the children and then the person who she works for isn't that bad, but it's her friend that is just so overtly racist. For real. And, awful. and that that is the situation that it reminded me of. Like you've got like this kind of nice but still privileged, still still the oppressor um person that the black person's working for. And then you've got the outside opinion, the outsider who kind of tries to kind of just makes you realize how racist the situation is i don't know how to put it into words properly but i get you for sure um so yeah let's quickly talk about um we've got two more questions before that i wanted to just interject with this um kimberly's husband he he's i don't know what to say about him but i feel like he had some knowledge very mainstream knowledge of nigeria um and nigerian popular culture i think he talked about how he listens to fellow cutie or something um but he was really odd like the vibes he gave me were really creepy but what did you think about him yeah i think he kind of i think he was like uh, like he like he had like a fetish yeah like that's what like, that's the vibes it gave me like it's like them people who like you'd be like oh Oh, I'm Nigerian. I'd be like, oh, you know what? I I actually dated a girl from Zimbabwe once. <laughs> not related whatsoever, not even the same part, the region of Africa. But they still think that it's the, they just have a general idea of what's exotic, and they think that they can connect to you through that. And it's just really weird. It is weird, and it's actually really annoying because there's an in a lot of literature. Um, there's an erasure of like cultural particularity for African people for sure because even though we're unified by saying we're African people we're also so different like um, just using this example well two examples Sierra Leone and Nigeria are really close but the dynamics within those countries are so different Um, similar with I guess tribes as well like um, the Igbo tribe versus you know Yoruba or um, oh there's another one that I remember Alsa Alsa yeah how do you know I was about to say that they're, they're like the third most bait tribe in oh, really? Nigeria. How embarrassing for me, but I don't know that many tribes, but you know, they're, they're all different as well. There's different cultural practices, there's different um, beliefs and stuff. Even there's some, some things that are unifying, like <laughs> the joke that you will, not the joke, the thing that you said, you know, with, you know, someone with, um, from Zimbabwe and someone from Nigeria. Yes, they're both from Africa, but there's a massive difference. So I guess leading on from that. Um, as you know what, actually, this one reminds me. So once someone said that there's over like 250 tribes in Nigeria alone, yeah, that shocked me because like if there's more than 250 in Nigeria alone, like think about other countries and they're still just generalizing Africa as like one type of person. Wow, there's like thousands of different ethnic groups there. That's ridiculous. That's Actually, now that you said that, I just want to apologize as well because I think I just took the th- the three most you know known tribes. I think also for Nigerians that are from other tribes, that also make that can also feel very erasing. Um, yeah. Okay. So I was, yes, I was talking to my friend who's from like a tribe that I don't even know about. And I can't even remember, but 
like people always say oh so you're from this tribe and then she's like yeah and she's like oh so aren't you basically Ibo and it's like no they're different oh. they're different people yeah trying to put people into us like a certain box that we know of yeah 100 and just exact that exact thing um happened in a film that i was watching the other day yesterday um where two families were getting married um one's Ibo uh, well that's wrong one's Yoruba and one's not Yoruba just and that's a weird context to put in but um they take um they they hire in these um dancers from this tribe for them and they're like yeah here you go and they're like we're not Ibo by the way <laughs> so it was like it was like the wrong kind of tribal dance or something but um just remind me of that okay so just the two final questions the penultimate one um this book also explored um just a warning this may be a trigger warning for some people um but it explored rape um and it also explored suicide as well, or the attempt of suicide. Um, and it explored suicide in men in decay. And it explored rape mm-hmm. for Ifemili, who was trying to get a job in America. And is I can't remember the storyline exactly. There's this man, there's this basement, and she had to basically um like was, massage him and yeah. you know. It, yeah, it was very strange for money, basically. Um, so what did you I mean, do you think how important is it for authors to write about these issues? for black people specifically or about black people um so i think it's less about black people but more about foreigners and like like okay so um again trigger warning but um in relation to the recent attack on the um asian i don't know if they were actually sex workers but he was motivated by um a like uh i don't know he was like sexually frustrated or something i don't care Mm -hmm white people they just they kill people there's no reason for it except privilege and supremacy mm-hmm. um and the kind of i people were talking about how um immigrant women usually when they turn to sex work and they get violated or they get raped or you know they experience violence they can't really do much about it because of their immigration status yes and i think that's something that if realizes she experiences because she is forced into this position because she has she can't get a job because of her immigration status and more so because of her race as well. Yes. And she doesn't know how to report it or she doesn't know how to deal with what she's experienced. She feels shame because she thinks, well, what will people back home think yeah. of me that I'm doing this, but I'm just doing this to survive, but they don't know the realities of it. And she just has to kind of deal with that on her own, which is like something that, it's kind of disregarded when we talk about racism, when we talk about yeah, um, yeah. racism and um, what's it called, misogynoir and mm-hmm. um, female violence and, you know, misogyny in general. You know what? We kind of neglect, like, sex workers and the immigrant experience. You're you're completely correct. You're completely correct. Especially um, about all of it, but especially for me when you said about the immigrant experience. I think because a lot of the writing about misogynoir, a lot of the writing about racism and stuff, is based in the western world is based in america which of course is understandable um, but it also means that sometimes the experiences of these voices are silenced and and we don't get to hear about them um but yeah the immigration experience you know i say it's tough but i have no right to even say that because i've only seen it through my mum, and i've never experienced it myself but um yeah like the people that i know that have gone through it it's the fear is something that i can't imagine but when it's described it even makes you feel I get shaken. Um, so yeah, finally, finally, I just want to talk about the tension between Africans and Black Americans. Um, there's a specific mm-hmm. scene with the African Student Union where Ifem uh, joins, or yeah, joins uh, in America, 
and there's a whole debate going on about race and some black Americans get really angry at the Africans in the class about slavery and stuff like that. Um, so first of all, I want to talk about that. And then my second question was, do we share a similar tension in Britain? And if so, between what intra-black groups? So yeah, first, what, let's talk about the tension between Africans and black Americans. Bruh. Honestly, I was not gonna lie, I'm, I was actually quite angry at the African Americans in the class in, in that part of the book. Really? Um, I mainly because in all my experiences with like talking with African Americans, they kind of assume that Africa is like this motherland, this golden land, nothing bad ever happened. Oh, sorry, I completely agree. I thought you said the Africans, sorry, I agree. Oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> The, the african-americans they always think it's like that and they kind of just forget that this is a third world country that was colonized yes it yeah. was there were multiple genocides that were committed here like this is not there is no way you think there's no way that this country these countries can be what you this is not wakanda this is not wakanda this is that's all I, I always say like, it's not wakanda i recently saw in the news like this guy said oh i'm raising my kids in ghana because you know I'm I'm tired of racism in this in, in America. I promise you, there is no safe space for Black people. Even if you go to Africa, you will find that neo-colonialism is okay. rampant there. Your children will try and get degrees at you know universities in Africa, and they will find that it's not transferable in the Western world. No, no, no. Like it's. Oh, sorry, go on. Sorry, go on. Yeah, I was just saying, like it's it's honestly they kind of while Africans don't experience the same oppression as African Americans that they do they do and have always experienced oppression and yeah. to kind of disregard that with oh you sold us into slavery which is kind of a very generalistic view of the slave trade because and not accurate by the way not fully accurate at least you know what they always say you sell this into Af- to slavery and then they never bringing Britain into that conversation. I don't know why Britain and France and Spain and Portugal and Italy all got free passes. I don't know if you told them that they could <laughs> remove themselves from the, from the conversation, but they need to bring themselves back. Because... <laughs> Come back. <laughs> Come back. No, but for real, there's a real scramble for Africa happening, even right now to this day as we're speaking, especially with corporations in China and in America as well, at least specifically for Sierra Leone, that is. And, um, and there's always been a scramble for Africa since africa's emergence i guess you could say um and yes i think a lot of the time black americans african americans um they do glorify africa i can understand why they do because if you come through the racism they go through in america mm. it's very very america's a weird hyper country of racism like hyper racist country rather that i don't know the way they live there is really interesting i was speaking to a girl from um she's african-american rather and she was just telling me the racial racial issues here are just like it's just mad and i think you can even see that with the I don't know, attack on the capital versus Black Lives Matter and all just the most recent stuff. But um, yeah, for sure, Africa is not Wakanda. Like Wakanda, I think I think Black Panther was a really okay, removing it from going a bit off topic, but removing it from its capitalist um, you know, yeah. the thing that surrounds it, that Marvel is basically one of the biggest capitalist corporations of all time. Removing it from that, if if that's even possible, you know, Black Panther is a big part of black history, filmic history as well. Um, but at the same time, it is something that's constructed, it is fantasy, it is imagination. And you know what? Yeah, that's go on. Thing as well, people always say if colonialism didn't happen, Africa could be Wakanda. It wouldn't have been. It, look at Ethiopia. It was one, the one country in Africa yeah. that wasn't colonised. If you don't have stable neighbours, you will never thrive. Yes. Wakanda yeah. would never have happened. Ugh, you know what? <laughs> if, 
because I just want to click my fingers. You know, you click your fingers when someone's just speaking facts. Like, if you don't have stable, I just want to reiterate what you said because it's so true. If you don't have stable neighbors, you're gonna your kingdom's gonna fall. That's just how it is. Like, there's mm. no sort of super nation that's ever got into that position without whether it's even like competition with a neighbor doesn't have to always be cordial like there has to be some sort of tent there's some sort of relationship or tension um between you and another nation for your nation to thrive and Wakanda was um you know obviously famously uh closed off in the film and by the way it's fake guys for whoever doesn't know and that's not a snarky comment because there are actually some people that don't know that Wakanda wasn't real I think that came from a desire for it to be a real place um but look I mean Africa because Africa is a beautiful nation with just resources that oh, it's just yeah it's a mad uh, nation wow how embarrassing for the continent um but um, um a, a beautiful continent that has really like um an immeasurable you know amount of resources and stuff like that but it still has its downsides um and yeah anyway so i would say do we share a similar tension here in britain and if so between what intra-black groups um, I think back in the day, there used to be a lot of tension between the Caribbean and African communities yeah. in Britain. I remember back in the day, people were too, people used to lie, Africans used to lie and say they were Jamaican because then Jamaicans would like follow, like, like, be like, bully, because of your names, in it? The names are yes, like, proper ass. Yeah. Like, they'll yeah. be like, oh, Babaton Day, Babaton Day, yeah. like, yeah. They'll say, and bear in mind, Babaton Day is like a really sad name, like, it means like father returns because like you know it's like the idea that in the Yoruba culture when your grandfather or like you know a man in your family dies they're reincarnated into the new child so when you're making fun of people that just remember that their grandfather's dead or their great-grandfather's dead and maybe you shouldn't be laughing about that but like I feel like we we kind of blessed it now like it's really I, I don't really think it's that deep anymore there's I feel like Britain is I wouldn't say as much as America, but it's forming its own black culture. It is. It is. It but, is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so in that, there's been a lot of tension between Black Britain and Black um, African Americans as of late. Like, and I feel yeah. like it's because African Americans <laughs> don't recognise that Black people exist out of Afri- um, America. America. Yeah, no. just, it's just not <laughs> comprehensible. I don't know why. I agree with you there. I, oh, I, you know, I just love this conversation. Thank you so much. But um, I, I agree with that. I think there were massive. I remember in my childhood, massive tensions between um Caribbeans and uh Africans. Um, yeah, massive tensions. But I think they have started to dissolve over time. And I think, yeah, you're right that we have started our own black community here. And being black and British, there is a definite culture that is arising and that has been there for a long has been established for quite a while now um and even though i think a lot of our culture is taken from american culture black american culture a lot mm. of it is our own now as well that if you're not black british you won't get it um and i think just specifically thinking about actors like daniel kaluuya and him playing american roles and a lot of americans having like backlash against that not understanding that he he knows what you know he knows what racism feels like he knows what discrimination and inequality feels like and just because doesn't mean that he hasn't ever experienced that he definitely experienced it especially as a dark-skinned male um and also like there's no that term of black like no one person can you know claim that term as their own like 
black British people are just as black as black Americans, and though our experience of slave of um, I was about to say slavery of, of racism is different, like it's still valid here as well. Um, but yeah, sorry, I thought I thought you were, I think you were about to say something. I cut you off. Oh, I was gonna say I was, I was gonna say two things. Um, in reference to Daniel, <laughs> so as I laughed, so I was thinking of the video. You know the the, the um video that Doctor Umar made about the tribes of Britain. <laughs> oh my god! I, said, I don't know. And then he called it. He said Uganda. Uganda. <laughs> I said no way. I said no way. I thought the video was fake. There's no way that this man who praised himself saying I am an African man and I'm this and that is pronouncing African countries wrong and then claiming that there's tribes. Where's the tribes of Britain? Manchester versus London, Birmingham, Leeds. What? Johnson Uma, I think, is one of the most interesting people I'll ever know. Like, not know, know of in this life. Um, yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Just that video, it was. I remember, and I was talking to this American boy. This is the weirdest conversation I've ever had with a man in my life, actually, <laughs> because we were actually debating. And then he was like, Ah, oh, you know, um, they're taking roles that should be played by um, Americans. And I'm like, Well, Americans have no problem playing roles, you know, of Africans. Like, we look at Wakanda, um, the movie, Black Panther, sorry. Like, how many Africans were in that movie? Yeah. Daniel, um, who was it? Lupita. Yeah. And then it ends there. That's it. <laughs> this ends there. That's it. And the um the woman that played the okay no no that's it do I that's it. Literally is I think um and then she was saying oh but that's made up he's an American superhero and I was like no he's an American made superhero wow that is African mm. tell him tell and, him you know look at the guy in um concussion what's the movie concussion played by Will Smith he was Nigerian Will Smith is a Nigerian like you don't have a problem with it coming to America as well oh. That was Americans playing Africans. Yeah. I, I refuse to watch that movie. I refuse to watch that movie. Yeah. Um, um, come to America. I remember I used to watch when I was little. The f- um, the first one that is. I haven't watched the second one. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's so funny. Then the older I get, the more I'm like, oh gosh, this is a massive stereotypes. Of stereotypes of um, of African people. And those stereotypes don't end there, by the way. Like, if you see any film with like, I can even call like some Africans like African booty scratches, which I don't understand mm, to this yeah. day and the reference. Um, but yeah, look, not look, not to uh, just to reiterate to everyone listening to this, like you know, we don't hate Black Americans or African Americans at all. I just wish they would like take the time to understand us. Yeah, because we we obviously know a lot about America because like American dominated media and stuff like that. Exactly. But I feel like because their their media is very inward looking. It's yeah. important that they have to take the time out. Not even just like Britain and Africa. Like, I don't hear anything about Black Canadians or like Afro Latinos or the Caribbean. Like nothing. And I feel like it's all our jobs as like the global Black community to learn about each other. And yeah. even um the Australia as well, the Aboriginals as well. Like yes, they're Black, but no one really talks about them. Their really history is so rich as well. Like it's really, really rich, and it's also mm. really intense the racism in, in Australia as well that they face. So yeah, um, right, Americana is. I think you know. I think this is how I know this is a good conversation is that it started out as Americana and sort of bled out to different parts of 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 the world and different ideas of blackness across the world. But um, I love this book, and thank you so much, Deborah, for being here and for li- and for just joining in this conversation and. Yeah, just thank you for, for all of it. No, thank you. I enjoyed this. This is the first time I've done the podcast, so this is great. 
Okay, cool. So you've chosen this song, um, Do It by Chloe and Halle. Is it Halle or Haley? Halle, I think. Yeah, um, and I love this song as well. So hope you guys enjoy. Thank you guys for watching Chloe Classics. Oh, oh, oh.